I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job, and now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method, and they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Tara Gilmore and Sarah, our operations director. Tara is a registered dietitian and nutritionist and Canadian expert in plant-based sports nutrition. She earned a Bachelor of Kinesiology, played soccer for 10 years, and is one of three dietitians who is ESIM certified. She also teaches sports nutrition at the National Circus School. Tara founded Plantain Nutrition to help vegan, vegetarian, and veggie-curious active people and athletes of all levels achieve their performance goals while maintaining a healthy relationship with food. Welcome to today's episode. Thank you. Oh, is there anything missing from that bio? No, I think you covered it, Libby. Thank you. Okay, awesome. I was a little bit nervous because you speak French beautifully and <laughs> I sometimes trip up on those words, but we had a good laugh and we've, we've moved on. Um, so uh, happy to have you on the show today. And Sarah is here with us. Um, it's an awesome opportunity to be able to have um, you and Sarah together to share your journey and the excitement. And we're really impressed with your growth. And we want to hear... Um, about your your dream of starting a private practice and, and how you got to where you are now. So can you give a little bit of background for the listeners to let them know who you are and why you started your private practice? Sure. So yeah, I am a registered dietitian in Canada in Montreal. And I've wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was a kid, actually. It's been a long time coming. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do in terms of entrepreneurship, but I got interested in nutrition when I was studying business. And then I went on to do a Bachelor of Kinesiology, and then I did a Master's in Nutrition. And yeah, like the science behind it just really interests me. Like I remember sitting in my very first nutrition class and all the little hairs on the back of my neck were standing up straight because I thought it was just so fascinating. So um, I did become a dietitian and I did it in a bit of an unconventional way because I did not do an undergrad in nutrition. I did a master's in nutrition and that's how I became a dietitian. And um I think there was a few other layers to it as well, because in Montreal to become a dietitian, you have to, or in Quebec, you have to pass some French exams. And I didn't speak French when I first started. So that was one of the hurdles I had to overcome. Wow. That sounds like a tough hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. that it, are you raised because don't you have to speak French in school there? Well, I was born in Alberta. And we did have to take a couple of years of French class, but that entailed maybe 30 minutes of French class once a week. It was really not enough to be able to comfortably speak. So what was your passion for learning and mastering the language as well as mastering the science? Because that's like a double whammy, right? You've got to learn all things dietetics and perfect French, which I, I can't even pronounce. I, I can only pronounce Ashante. That's all I got. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the, the nutrition part I'd say was the quote unquote easy part, even though I felt like the program was actually unnecessarily difficult. They really were trying to weed people out. You could tell, but the French part, I graduated there were some bureaucratic issues. So I had to go back and take a introductory biology course a second time. Um, one that I had already taken in Alberta and I thought I got credit for, and then there was a mix up. So I had to take the course again and it took a good year to get into that course. So I was in a position where I needed to get my license and <laughs> I needed to get my license, but I, I wasn't really a dietitian yet. So anyway, I took the additional course that they asked me to take. Mm -hmm. And then when I graduated, I ended up working for a wind energy company in administration because I had a business degree. And during that time, because the job was all in French, I learned French. And I think I took like 20 hours a week of French classes in the evenings in addition to that. And a, a year later, I was able to pass the French test. There were four exams. That's a great story. So what, how did you transition then? Did you ever work clinical? Did you go straight into private practice? Tell us the story of how you got from degree holder, multilingual, um, and then business background with dietetics to private practice. What was that? What did that road look like? So after I graduated, I had that wind energy job for about a year. And during that time, my intention was to build up my private practice. And so my employers knew that that was my intention and they were fine with it. Thank goodness. And I knew that I wanted to go into private practice, but I didn't really know how I kind of, yeah, I really had no idea what I was doing, but I applied for a lot of different jobs, hoping that I could have a nutrition part-time job and then start my private practice as my other part-time job. That was kind of my goal. And what ended up happening is I kept getting these really small part-time jobs. And at one point I got up to eight small part-time jobs and I was still relying on the wind energy job to pay my bills. <laughs> and at one point, actually I'd say, Oh, it was less than a year before I started working with you. I got into a physiotherapy clinic, a sports physiotherapy clinic that works with athletes. And so I was working there part-time. I was making a decent amount of money. I was able to stop working at the um, wind energy company. And I was able to stop doing some of the other part-time jobs as well. And my private practice was starting to build because I had some ads online, like I had put myself in a bunch of different online listings. And actually from listening to your podcast, I knew that it was a good idea to niche down. And so I did <laughs> into sports nutrition, into vegan sports nutrition, because I knew that that's what I wanted to do was sports nutrition. And people were starting to come in. And then the pandemic hit and my business took a big hit. I was fired from my job at the clinic. And at this point, I was still more or less living paycheck to paycheck. Like financially, I was not doing well at all. But steadily as the pandemic went, it took maybe three, four months. I was suddenly making like more than I had more money than I had ever made since I graduated just from my own private practice. And the clinic who hadn't treated me very well and had made some weird threats about my Instagram use. They, they wanted me to use my Instagram 
to promote their business instead of my own, even though they knew that I was, that I had my own business and that's what my Instagram was for. So instead of, instead of doing that, instead of posting for them, I just decided to stop posting on Instagram period because I felt really stuck. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to get fired, but I also didn't want to spend my free time creating (laughs) Instagram posts for my employer on my own business page. So it was kind of the pandemic kind of needed to happen for me in order for my business to thrive. And I was able to put all my time into it and then grow it to, to me. I was making then maybe four to $6,000 a month before I started uh, working with you. Are you comfortable saying what you're making? Yeah, I'm making about the same, Okay, which is. Yep. So what's different? You're making the same amount of money. Are you still working 25 jobs? No. (laughs) (laughs) So so I want to unpack a couple things from that story. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's super relatable. And I also want to get to, even though you're making the same amount of money, what else is different in the day to day and how have you created and, you know, a path to kind of build up to your goals? So what has changed primarily is that I am no longer working 60 to 80 hours a week. Oh yeah. It's amazing. And another thing that has been really nice about that is that I finally have the opportunity to work on my business as opposed to just in my business. I felt that when I was working the 60 to 80 hours a week, I was doing so much. I was totally burnt out. I, I was spending a lot of time doing chart notes Um, doing research for each of my individual clients, Um, emailing my clients in between appointments, messaging my clients, answering their questions. Yeah. So that's a, that's beautiful. Tara. And we're really happy for you. I'm going to have Sarah dive into that in just a moment, but let's rewind uh, because I want to go back to a few couple pivotal points before we go into how you've been able to work less hours, which is an excellent first step. So I want to go back to the place where you said the pandemic was good for your business. I absolutely love that positive reframe. So can you share with us what motivated you to work all of those jobs and what motivated you to want to ramp up the private practice? Because um, you could have you know, maybe gotten more clinical jobs or even a business management job. What made it like, what was the fire inside of you that said private practice is the way I want to go? Was it that you niche down and you love the population? Um, what kind of, what was the catalyst to that decision to, to get to where you are now, where you have less jobs and you're, you're honing in your hours? That's a really good question. So I had worked for a number of different clinics at this point and they weren't treating me very well. And that is what made me realize that if I want to be treated the way I want to be treated, I don't think working for someone else is going to work. Love that. That's beautiful. And was there a pivotal moment or was it just accumulation of kind of seeing that you didn't like the way you're being treated? Was there a situation you're comfortable sharing? Uh, You don't have to share any identifying information, but... I mean, hashtag clinical stories. We share a lot of those on this podcast. (laughs) You feel more comfortable. I can share some of mine again. I can recycle. I can pull up a new one. But do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah, I do. Um, So in January, 
of when was it? It was pre-pandemic January, right before the pandemic in 2020. And I got super sick. I went home to visit my family in Alberta and whatever it was, I got super sick. I had never been that sick. I th- when I think back to the symptoms, they kind of sounded sound like COVID symptoms, but I'm not someone who usually takes time off of work or school when I'm sick. So this is the first time in my life like maybe of two times, like once in grade 11 and once now that I decided to take time off. And I went to the doctor, I got a doctor's note and my employer said that that was fine. Um, But I still wasn't feeling better a week later. And I said that I would come in and I had every intention of coming in, Um, but there was some sort of a strange miscommunication by email. And my employer thought that I wasn't coming in even though, because my employer kind of asked, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And I said, to be totally honest with you, I'm feeling terrible. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Because at that point, I wouldn't have been giving them enough notice. So they thought, though, that I had said I wasn't coming in. They thought that I was trying to insinuate I wasn't coming in by saying that I wasn't feeling well. And the scathing email that was sent back to me said me, told me everything that I needed to know in terms of what my value was to that company. And I did eventually clear things up and realize that there was a miscommunication and they thought I said I wasn't coming in. And I can understand how that would make someone feel upset, but I wasn't being treated the way I deserved to be treated. And then on top of the threats that I had received (laughs) during my performance evaluation about you have to use your Instagram to promote our business and not your business. I just thought I can't continue like this. So that was really like a, a really big breakthrough moment. Definitely. Definitely. And I'd had another employer as well who it was located quite far away from me. And I was taking the bus everywhere. I don't have a car. I live in a city that's more or less, you can take transit everywhere. So it would take me an hour and a half to get there. And they would schedule me clients just one at a time. So I would never have back-to-back clients. But if I had two clients that week, then that would mean I was spending a total of six hours on public transit transit just to go there. So lots of bad experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it sounds like becoming your own boss became clear after multiple jobs had kind of not been uh, that the productivity wasn't optimized and then most importantly you weren't treated you know very well with some of this communication by email do you happen to did you happen to save that email and take out identifying information and just kind of look at it on days where you're you know remind yourself why you're working for yourself i think it's important to have those moments where where you do that do you still happen to have that email i probably do yeah, if, if you could also send it over, we'd be happy to take out identifying information and share it with our community. Um, I, I think it's important to think through those pivotal moments that make you who you are today and remind you why you are where you are. Um, because on days, uh, it, we all have those days, right, where we're feeling down or we're feeling ill or we're feeling frustrated or maybe we didn't close the sales call that we really thought we did and we needed to help that person. We always want to go back to why am I here? And uh, even on the hardest day when you're working the most, it's still better than being treated like crap and being told mean things when you're not feeling well or being scheduled inappropriately or or very um, 
I guess, not in a way that's conducive to your lifestyle, given all the, the, the commuting that you had to do. So it's just important to keep in mind and reflect on those moments um, as you progress. So, so thank you for sharing that. If you do have that email, we'll gladly take a look at it. Uh, we'll <laughs> momentum's here for um, clinical stories. Um, so you gave a great background on your private practice. Now I kind of want to go to, I think it's an appropriate time to go to firstly, how did you go from a 60 hour plus work week to where you are now with the same amount of money? And then maybe Sarah, you can navigate some of that conversation because I know some of it has to do with ideal day, et cetera. Um, so can you give us a little bit of context on how you were able to minimize the hours that you're working in the present day? Yeah. So two major things. Um, one, they're, they're both connected, but the first one was offering group sessions. Um, when I started offering group sessions and no longer giving new clients the option of working with me one-on-one individually, that that's when it started. That's when the big change started. And I guess that's it, actually. It's really just that one thing. That that was everything for me. Uh, and that's amazing. So switching and transferring your model, I remember when we first spoke, Tara, that that was you had a lot of private clients and you were in a great position to consolidate your business model. So I do want to chat deeper on how that's still been able to help your clients and how that helps you. But there's a lot more than that. So let's <laughs> let's also give attention to the other aspects Managing your day, tightening up your schedule, having clarity with priorities, all of that stuff. Um, is there anything on, on that either, Sarah, you want to chat about or Tara, you want to reflect as far as what's helped you kind of focus and make uh, switching that business model from private to group possible so that you can make the same amount of money and, and work less hours? Well, what I would jump in and say is I remember early on, Tara, that we were looking at your schedule. And I remember when I first saw it and I saw how much time, I still remember when I saw all the blocks of time you were spending with client notes and you said you were doing research between sessions and you were emailing them individually. And I was like, no, 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 because your (laughs) schedule was packed. And I think, um, and I don't recall the exact order of what all we did, but I do remember we started finding ways to eliminate some of those things and condense things um, and really look at your ideal week and how you could switch it around. So I don't know how long it it took you, but if you want to talk a little bit about that for other people who might be in that same situation where they're like, well, I have these things I've got to get done or I, you know, I need to make this transition and just maybe talk about what that was like for you. Definitely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I remember one of the things that you helped me with was putting similar things together. So I think when I was still seeing my, I mean, I am still seeing one-on-one clients just significantly less right now, but when I was seeing multiple one-on-one clients a week, like maybe six to 12 a week, sometimes I would have them spread out throughout the week. So I might see like three on this day, three on this day, three on another day. And it was just eating up a lot of time. And another thing as well was like constantly checking emails and like responding to them right away. Like I would always respond to emails very, very quickly, which is great for other people who need things from me. But when it comes to my own time and time management, that was not helping. So kind of putting into my calendar, okay, these are the times when I'm going to check my emails. Um, And consolidating all of my individual clients on one or two days of the week. And I realized 
Because when you're first starting out and you're desperate for clients, I feel like I was willing to just do whatever. Like, okay, you can't do this time. I'll see you in the evening. Or you can't do this time. Okay, I'll do it half an hour earlier. I'll see you at 7 a.m. Like (laughs) really trying to accommodate the clients. What I found is that when I drew my boundaries and decided, okay, this is going to be my, my hours that if somebody wants to work with me, they'll make it work for them. They'll change around their schedule and they'll see me at that time. So that was really helpful, kind of eye-opening. That's what a great reflection. And so given the, the changes you've been able to make and how you've been able, as you said, to work less, um, you know, on your business, right? And you've been able to, to step back so that you can see more clients in one unit of time and, and limit the amount of private clients. What have you, with the free time you've been able to have, do you have an approximation of how much more free time on, on average per week? Um, any kind of sense of that? Five hours, 10 hours, three hours, something in the ballpark. Well, it's like before, because I was working so much, I felt like I had zero free time. And even when I cut that back down to like a reasonable work week, which at this point, I'm probably working 30 to 40 hours a week, which to me is really great. And I, I'm probably working on the lower end of that. Actually, it's probably closer to 30 if I'm totally honest. And the, the thing that's nice about that is doing things for myself. Like if I want to take a day off in the middle of the week, I can. Like I hurt my back, I can take a day off and rest. Yeah, and that's great. And, and nobody's going to send you an email to tell you. <laughs> right. And so, the, I mean, being your own boss means that you get to live your own life. So am I hearing correctly that you, you reduced it by half from yes. a week to 30 hour a week, making the same amount of money? And have yeah. flexibility to live life on your terms. Sorry, that's incredible. So wow, yeah. When you put it that way, it really is incredible. <laughs> and and so soon, right? So um, you've been able to do all of this, as you said. The pandemic was kind of a catalyst to move things forward. So these are all new changes in your business and your practice. And I we only see great things in, in the future. There's so much we can talk about. I want to take a moment. Uh, we've talked about time management, your journey towards private practice, changing your business model, making the same amount of money, working half an amount of time. What I want to talk about, you know, this is coming, is the niche conversation. Can you t- share with us a little bit about why you work with this group of people, how you came about that, and what does that mean in context of your group programming? Does that make running your group program seamless, fun? How are people receiving that? So if we could start on kind of why you chose this area of specialty and then how that affects your, your programming, that, that would be great. I think the listeners would love to hear about that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think I mentioned I have a kinesiology degree and my very first nutrition job upon graduating, even before I technically became a dietitian, was working as a lecturer, actually, I might've been a dietitian. It doesn't matter. Working as a lecturer in sports nutrition at the National Circus School. So I, that was also one of my very last internships. It was in sports nutrition and that's how I was recommended for this job. And I absolutely love sports nutrition. I think it is super interesting. I think it's so different than like, quote unquote, normal nutrition. (laughs) It's like, what is normal nutrition? All different aspects of nutrition are all so unique, but yeah, I just found it to be super interesting 
scientifically. I love talking about it. And I have been vegan myself for about eight years and I'm vegan for ethical reasons. And so I found that during my internship, I remember working one-on-one with a few of the athletes at McGill. And I remember that one of them was a vegan track athlete. And it was like my favorite thing because I got to talk about vegan nutrition and sports nutrition and like put them together. And I just found that because I am vegan, because I've been vegan for so long, I know that so much better than I do like I guess, meat-based nutrition. It's something that I'm way more comfortable with. And I know all of the nutrients that are potentially of concern for vegans, which are not the same nutrients. If you're not vegan, you don't really have to think about those nutrients to the same degree. So it was a pretty natural fit. But for a long, long time, Libby, like before I even started getting a significant number of clients for my business, I didn't have a niche. I would just see anyone. And that's when I, my business wasn't doing well. I would see like one client a month or something like that. And then, yeah, through listening to your podcast, you were talking about niching down and how scary it is. And I felt that way too, because I really thought, okay, I'm going to be cutting out all these other people, but it was the exact opposite. It's like all the people who are interested in that topic are kind of drawn to you. So when I started putting out there on my various listings that I'm vegan sports nutrition or like plant-based sports nutrition, I started getting so many more calls from people. It's incredible. And so how has that, so what I'm hearing is that your professional experience with, with um, athletes, your personal experience tied to ethics and then understanding what you need for nutrition requirements in a plant-based vegan diet together helped you create this special space that you called your your niche, right? How you stand out. And although you were scared when you broke past that fear, it did help you with your clientele and getting more people. Is that correct? Is that what I'm saying? Yes. Awesome. So how, how does that feel now looking back? Do you feel, do you feel like it was a good decision to kind of focus on that? Was it like, I know you said it was fearful, but do you feel like you wish you would have done that sooner? Do you have any tips for the listeners who maybe were like, when you were listening back before you had ripped off that bandaid, as I say, and just really focused on the message? Oh my goodness. Yes. I do wish that I had done it sooner, so much sooner. Like as soon as I went into private practice, I knew that that was something I would have been interested in. I feel like I should have just done it then. Um, Yeah. So if I feel like to people who are thinking about focusing on a specific group of people, because you're passionate about that type of nutrition, I would say like, you really can't do it soon enough. Like just do it because it's so worth it. And you'll get to work with your ideal client much sooner. Yeah. So so that segues nicely into into the second part of the question. And and thank you for sharing that. And that's now that you've switched your model, right? from one-on-one to groups, even though you do see some privates, just more limited and at your leisure. Um, how has your specialty of plant-based athletes helped you run a group and how have they benefited? We've talked about how you've benefited. How have your clients benefited from you creating this unique experience for them and creating that community and that space online where they can get, you know, hit, hit their personal best and through a plant-based diet? 
That's a really good question because I definitely had some concerns that I wouldn't be able to provide my clients with the same level of, I don't know, care or whatnot in the context of a group. But I definitely think that they have benefited greatly in terms of meeting other plant-based athletes, especially since I find that it's something that's kind of evenly distributed throughout the population. It's, (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's not often that someone who is a plant-based athlete meets another plant-based athlete within their sport. It's becoming more often is increasing. Say that again. It's definitely becoming more, more common. Yes. Yes. As increasing number of people are interested in veganism and vegetarianism, it is, but I still think that people in my group benefit from meeting other people. And the nice thing is, is that when somebody has a question, that question is relevant to everybody in the group. And I think what's kind of nice about that too, is that I, I, yeah, it's like, I can explain something once and everybody in the group benefits from that. Where sometimes I feel like when I was working with individual clients, I was having the exact same conversation multiple times a week and I felt like a robot. And now I kind of feel like I can talk about a concept and affect the lives of multiple people all with that, which has been really nice. So I feel like I can certainly reach more people by talking about something that's relevant to all of these people at the same time. And they get the opportunity, yeah, to like listen to me talk, of course, but also to meet other people with similar questions who have questions that they might not have even thought thought to ask and, and how, how does that feel to be able to give them that space for a, a you know a population that's still relatively new being plant-based and, and um, performance how does it feel for you to create that space and help more people it feels really good it feels really good and it's nice to see them have like little sub conversations in the Facebook group, or even just sometimes on the call, like talking amongst one another, or like when somebody's talking, everybody else is nodding because they can relate. It's very nice to see that sense of community, community developing. Incredible. I have two more quick thoughts. And then I want Sarah to, to wrap up with the conversation today with any of Sarah's thoughts, but I want to know how have you leveraged social? Has anything changed recently um, you, you, when we started working together, when you came into our program, you already knew you were plant-based and you were performance. And, and we definitely focused on what we've discussed for the majority of today, which is helping you change your business model. But has anything changed in regard to the positioning or the marketing within the niche you already had after working with us? Definitely. Um, I would say, so before I started working with you, my Instagram was shit. It was awful. Um, I just had a whole bunch of pictures of food and I had like maybe recipes and just kind of random people would comment (laughs) on it and I would engage with them. Like it was fun. I was glad that they would comment on it, but I didn't feel like, I don't know. I just didn't feel like what I was saying. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to post. I just kind of saw people posting pictures of food. And I was like, Oh, I'll do that. I'll post pictures of food. And I would spend so much time like taking these beautiful photos. Um, but, and, and the second thing I think that you helped me with was 
my handle because I spent so much time coming up with with the name Plantain Nutrition. And I think like I'm the only one who even cares about the name of my business. Um, I thought of it because like there are five kingdoms in biology. There's like plants, animals, fungi, blah, blah, blah. So the the name of the one with plants is Plantain. It's like a Latin word. And I was trying to find this name that would like put plants in it. And then also, um, gosh, what else? That's a great story. I love that. <laughs> now, will you share what your handle is? I mean, what will have you say it at the end too? I just want to make sure everybody knows how clear your handle is. Yeah, it's vegan sports nutrition. Sounds pretty clear to me. <laughs> Makes sense I'd, to me. I'd say that's an upgrade. I And I love your storytelling of how before it was a really cool idea for a nutrition major. Yeah, totally. No, I mean to market to another nutrition major. Yes. <laughs> I could sell it to someone. <laughs> right. So, so now you're marketing to, to a consumer and, and you, the clarity in your handle and um, the clarity in your messaging and the translation onto your content is beautiful. So I love that. Yeah. You already had an idea of where you were going, who you're speaking to, but you've been able to translate that more into a way that consumers understand and want and need. And then that feeds into being able to help more people and create that community that, that they can really, um, get benefits from because as you said there's not as many people in your space it's growing but it is uh, a unique right plant-based performance it's still an innovative up-and-coming um area and so to find connect other people with like-minded people is incredible right and it creates a lot of community so it's really great that you're giving them you're solving for misinformation and giving them accountability and support but you're also sharing another community that they can learn and grow from each other and so that's it's really um, the beauty of a, of a group model and the beauty of doing it with a focused message because if you did a group and you're helping a whole mixed bag of people it'd be harder to create that community a less special the connection um, so do you do you agree with that do you feel that that connection is made possible with the clarity kind of what people want absolutely yes i completely agree with that and it's funny because something else that you helped me with as well is that when I, before I was seeing you, I had my name in all these various lists. And so that's how I would get clients. And around the time when my business was doing really well and I called you, it was like, I swear it was like two weeks or something like that after I started working with you or around that, that the primary site that I use to get all my referrals, like I was getting a good eight qualified leads per month from this one website and it was fantastic. But then they they switched their website, the SEO really tanked. And so people were no longer finding me when they searched for vegan nutrition or whatever it is that they were searching for to find me before, because I wasn't paying attention to that. And so then when I started working with you, I realized I couldn't rely on those sites anymore. And I was kind of in a position where I was forced to, to use Instagram marketing. And it's, it was such good timing. Like it could not have been better timing because a, I was totally overwhelmed. Like I wouldn't have had time to do marketing at, at that time, even if I wanted to. And B, I didn't know how to market on Instagram. I didn't know how to get people to reach out with me using that method. I was so used to doing it very passively. So that was such good timing. It was incredibly helpful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And and my observation from that story is is it's not that different from getting that email from the nasty boss or your employer, right? So when you control your marketing 
uh, and you create that space, you're creating a system. And those are the systems right, that Sarah helps you with your schedule and identifying how you can time block and tighten up and all those aspects that help you to work half the amount of time and make the same amount of money and on the path to working more. Um, but when you depend on someone else and you don't have control over SEO or you're waiting for referrals, it can work, but there's an exp- often an expiration date on that. And so it, it is, you know, serendipitous that the timing worked out. But I think you also put yourself in a position um, to say, I- I'm going to you know, be my own boss on a higher level. And, and really, uh, I'm glad you did it. You've made amazing progress. Um, but you've also you made the decision to take more control. And with more control, your own systems work for you where you won't have to depend on someone else's system, whether that's a clinical paycheck or a referral source that, that you just don't have control over. So I think that's a great message to share with the listeners. Um, Sarah, do you have any final any thoughts or questions or, or topics you want to share um, as we as we wrap up with this um, wonderful episode? And I love all of Tara's reflections. Uh, no, I mean, I think the only thing I would add is I just, you know, when you're talking about the schedule and your time is that we went through that more than once. Like that wasn't just something you did one time and, and you were done. You did it the first time to figure out because you weren't really sure how much time you were spending on things. And then once you figured that out and we figured out how to consolidate and move some things around. And I remember you did it again and talked about working weekends or not. So it was a process. It didn't just happen overnight. Um, but because you continued to work on it and implement the action steps so that that um, were given, you were able to, you know, see the results that have now paid off. Big time. I'm so glad Sarah mentioned that because I often, uh, Sarah is just a, a great checks and balance. Everything we're talking about is a process, right? Niching down is a process. Focusing your message is a process. Going from, you know, eight jobs to one is a process. <laughs> Taking a moment to, to reflect and share those stories with the listeners, we just want to reiterate that it's not as simple as looking at your calendar or your schedule one time and saying, oh, I'm good. Like, I love that Sarah brought that up. It's, it's just, it's a constant, not to be obsessive about it, but it, the, the word process in a sense of, I'm, go- I'm not going to, you know, one and done. I'm going to relook at this again. I'm going to revisit this. I'm going to set goals and work towards them as you have, Tara. And I think you've done an incredible job of going from where you started to really looking at the pandemic in such a positive reframe. And then taking every setback and barrier and turning it into something beautiful. And that's what I heard from the story is every time something, you know, happened, you, you reframed it and you have such a beautiful way of sharing that attitude. And it's going to be so inspiring for our listeners because oftentimes dietitians will have one setback and then they'll stop or they'll never show up or, or they'll say, when you just shared, you know, the SEO was taken away, I got eight great qualified leads a month. And then I went from eight to zero or eight to two or whatever many people would just give up, but you didn't, right? You had an, another, you had something lined up, you implemented a different model. And, and when you, know, you were told uh, that you weren't treated well, when you weren't feeling well on your clinical job, you had other options, you pursued other options, you doubled down on your own business and looked to ramp it up. So I think you've done a really good job if we were to analyze your traits and you persevered and, and worked and diligently looked at opportunities with a positive light. And so I think that's a really important um, attribution to your success. Um, so I just want to wrap up with asking, what is your next goal? And then um, if you just remind people where to find you and uh, then, then we, can, we, can, we can call it a day. Yeah. So my next goal is to make 10K a month and to continue to work 30 to 40 hours a week and not more than that. And for those of you who would like to connect with me, you can find me at vegan sports nutrition, vegan.sports.nutrition. Love it. 
love the clarity in your goal. Thank you so much for sharing space with us today and sharing your journey. This was an awesome episode uh, where we learned lots of fun facts and uh, it was a pleasure to, to spend some time with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. If you're looking to start and grow your business, we have two opportunities. Our society program to help you land your first clients and really get a system up and running, develop your message, create content, get your offer up and going and enroll in your offer. And then for our high-level executive program, for those of you who already are working with clients and do not have an issue with attracting clients, uh, me and my team will be able to help you get systems in place so that you can work less hours and make more money and truly scale your business. So whether you're looking to get started or you're looking to rev up your business, Dietitian Boss has opportunities for you. Please apply to our services found on my website at LibbyRothschild.com or you can find in the show notes a link to apply.